Welcome to Stevenson Harwood's Pensions Podcast for March 2022. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. I'm Graham Wrightson, a partner in the Pensions team, and I have with me Dan Bowman, a consultant in our team. Today we're going to consider potential changes to the new transfer regs, the ability of a fraud victim to recover a judgment debt from a bankrupt pension scheme, as well as how trustees can't rely on a lack of knowledge and understanding as a reason for not complying with their obligations. First, however, we'll consider steps that trustees should be taking in light of the situation in Ukraine. So over to you, Dan. Thanks, Graham. Uh, the impact of the situation in Ukraine is being you know, felt throughout the world, and this has been reflected clearly in stock market movements and oil prices. Um, and some sponsoring employers of pension schemes actually may be more directly impacted if they have for example, supply chains or customers in Russia or Ukraine. Against this backdrop of uncertainty, the pensions regulator has issued guidance for trustees on steps that they should be taking to understand the impact of the war on their scheme and also to protect their members. The regulator cautions against any short-term actions given that pension schemes are long-term investments. There is, however, recognition that schemes with Russian assets may consider disinvesting. However, there are likely to be challenges with being able to sell such assets in practice. Trustees also need to be careful that they don't fall foul of the sanctions regime. The guidance sets out that trustees should consider a number of things. These include short-term liquidity needs for defined benefit schemes, whether the sponsor's business has been affected and the impact this has had on employer covenant, the impact of the events on the scheme's investments, whether cyber security policies are adequate, whether scheme processes to prevent financial crime need to be reviewed, whether investments remain aligned with policies and principles in the statement of investment principles, and whether and how to communicate with members regarding the steps taken by the trustees to manage risks to the scheme. Thanks, Dan. For our next topic, we'll consider the new Occupational and Personal Pension Schemes, Conditions for Transfers Regulations 2021. Uh, we discussed these in detail in our December 2021 podcast. You may recall that these regulations put restrictions on the ability of trustees to make a statutory transfer when either an amber or red flag is present. The intention behind these regulations was to reduce the risk of transfers being made to scam arrangements. If an amber flag is present, Trustees cannot undertake a statutory transfer out until the member has taken advice from the Money and Pensions Advice Service. One of the ways that an amber flag is raised is if the trustees of the transferring scheme decide that there are any overseas investments included in the receiving scheme. The industry has been quick to pick up on the potential for this flag to catch a large number of transfers, even those that pose a low risk of being a scam. This is due to the fact that most pension schemes are likely to have some degree of overseas investment. As a result, the DWP may now amend these regulations to ensure that low-risk overseas investments are not caught by the new advice requirements. So watch this space. And um, back to you, Dan. We'll now look at the recent case of Barchi and others versus Green. In this case, Funding Secure Limited had provided the defendant, Mr Green, with finance which was dishonestly obtained. In particular, Mr Green offered security by means of mortgages over works of art that either did not own or had sold. Funding Secure obtained judgment and a worldwide freezing order against Mr Green, but then entered administration. Mr Green was made bankrupt. 
The claimants took on assignment of funding Secure's judgment debt of more than £3.2 million. And because the judgment against Mr Green was based on fraud, the debt survived his bankruptcy. In addition, Mr Green's rights under the pension scheme did not fall into his bankruptcy estate. The only asset against which the claimants could enforce the judgment debt was therefore the pension scheme. The claimants applied to the court for directions that Mr Green delegate to them his right to call for a lump sum and a pension under the pension scheme. The claimants then sought authority to exercise those delegated powers and sought to recover the debt by drawing down from the pension scheme by means of a third party debt order. The court concluded that there was an overriding public policy consideration that fraudsters should not prosper from or avoid enforcement by the use of pension funds. An order in the terms sought by the claimants was therefore granted. It's not normally possible to obtain a third party debt order in respect of funds held by a judgment debtor in a pension scheme because those funds do not constitute debts due and payable to the judgment debtor. The forcible delegation to the claimants of the defendant's powers in relation to the pension scheme was therefore a novel way of overcoming this problem. However, the threshold for the court to make this sort of order appears to be cases in which a receiver would be appointed by the court under Section 37 of the Senior Courts Act 1981. As such, these sorts of orders are likely to be applied in fairly limited circumstances. Graham, back over to you. Thanks, Dan. Our final topic for this month is the case of Ease & Co. Bonquet Seating Limited against the pensions regulator. In this case, the appellant was a furniture company with a sole director. The company was also the trustee of a defined contribution pension scheme, of which there were three active members. The pension scheme was required to prepare a chair's statement. No chair's statement was, however, prepared for the scheme year ending 31 March 2019. The pensions regulator therefore issued a penalty notice to the trustee of the pension scheme. The trustee appealed the issuing of the notice to the general regulatory chamber of the first tier tribunal. And the trustee challenged the penalty notice on the grounds that failure to prepare the chair statement was unintentional and down to lack of knowledge of the complex regulatory requirements. The tribunal found that the penalty notice was validly issued and the statutory requirement for trustee knowledge and understanding under the Pensions Act 2004 was clear and unequivocal. On this basis, the appellant could not succeed in the argument made as the legal requirement applied across the board and no exemption was applicable. Has to be said, the outcome of this case is perhaps not surprising. Whilst highlighting the obvious point that lack of knowledge of statutory requirements is not an excuse for non-compliance, it also serves to underline the fact that increasing regulatory requirements in relation to defined contribution pension schemes can have a disproportionate impact on smaller schemes. However, given the drive towards consolidation, the application of this increased regulatory burden without nuance is perhaps not unintentional. That's all for this month's podcast. If you want further details on the items that have been covered, these can be found in our March snapshot which is available on our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. You can listen to this podcast again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on the Pensions Hub. 